Hey everyone, welcome to the Moto Alliance podcast. I'm Peter Kapsner, and I'm here with the general manager of Moto Alliance, Kevin Book. Hey, Book, here we are again with another podcast episode. Here we are. Yeah, here pretty, we are. pretty exciting today. We've got uh, somebody that we're, we've just met. We've known the company and, and one of our dealers for a very long time. Uh, the, the owner of the company is Mark Smith, but we are just getting to know a little bit better one of his main power sports accessories managers. And we thought coming into this episode that it was Josh Foucher. The name was spelled F-O-U-C-H-E-R, but we were corrected, were we not? We were. I mean, it was much more sophisticated than Foucher. It was it was it was like a French derivative of Fouché. It was Fouché, I think, is how he said it. And I would have never had the confidence to ever lead with Fouché. Never, never in a million. So So we better bring him in just to clarify this is what we got. Josh, we do have this right now. It's Fouché, right? Not Foucher. That's correct, Fouché. Is there anyone in your life that you've met for the first time that ever led with Fouché? That just that just saw the last name and knew right out of the gate that it was Fouché. And you weren't in Paris or right. something. Right. <laughs> well, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, interestingly enough, no. But there are a couple places, uh, I shouldn't say no, most commonly no, uh, in Canada and down south, like in Louisiana. I was down there for uh, Mardi Gras once, and, and the hotel we were staying in is Mr. Fouché right out of the gate. So it's... Sure. Uh, that's so it's amazing. rare. It certainly doesn't happen here in Kentucky. I can promise you that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we appreciate you joining us. I think just right uh, right off the bat, it'd be good to highlight that you you really spend a lot of time emphasizing um, your your website and your e commerce platform. But it's it's a derivative of MLS Power Sports, a, a broader organization. So just tell us about what you do day in and day out. Where can people find you? All of that. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm the uh, PG&A director for MLS Power Sports. Uh, we have a handful of different online platforms, and the largest, of course, uh, you know, we sell on Amazon, like that most uh, big players are. It's not ideal for everybody, but it, it is access to a, a, a very large swath of customers that we wouldn't otherwise have access to. Um, but our main website uh, for selling anything accessory. Um, is going to be awesomeoffroad.com. Uh, that's spelled out, no dashes or anything like that. Um, we do also sell OEM parts online, and those can be found at mlspowersports.com, or there's a link to that as well on awesomeoffroad.com. And you guys, you really are pretty well in, embedded with most of the main manufacturers out there, like us at Moto Alliance, but KFI Products and uh, and. Super ATV, a number of other Correct. power sports accessories uh, businesses. So it's got to be pretty fun, I would imagine, to get to have as many conversations as you do with some of the really cool players in the industry. It is. Um, you know, there's always a lot of, uh, you know, like a better term, a lot of balls uh, in the air. Um, you know, we're dealing with a lot of the big players that are bringing out new products. Uh, and we also work with several different uh, manufacturers and, and trying to get them uh, to either update or improve existing products, uh, because you know we kind of have our ear to the ground, especially here um, East Coast. You know that's a totally different world as far as riding goes than, than West Coast, uh, and so the customers' needs are a little bit different, and it sometimes takes some—I uh, don't want to say coercion, <laughs> maybe <laughs> convincing—that uh, uh, some things need to change if they want to be able to capture this area's market. Hmm. So. There are for sure some uh, of the the 
various machines that we want to talk specifically about because I know that MLS really uh, has uh, made a name for themselves with with at least a couple of them. But before we get into any of that, um, tell us how long you've been uh, with MLS. And then get, I'm just curious to know how business uh, within the last, I don't know, two to three years has looked for you and how it's unique or if there's something that is unique uh, that has come out of these last couple of years uh, to what you were, you were seeing before. Sure. Uh, so I've actually been with uh, MLS uh, for about three years. Um, and in those, or in that time frame, you know, as a dealership, I'm really lucky because a lot of power sports dealerships kind of treat PG&A as like a, a, either a necessary evil or it's their main business and everything else is a necessary evil. You know, uh, some names like, you know, Park, uh, Parkzilla is a great example of that. You know, Parks is their core business. Um, from my understanding, uh, the major unit side, sales side of it is, is kind of secondary to that. Um, and because that's because they exploded, right? They, they do a great job of what they're doing. They cover a, a very large market and, and they're able to have it set up that way. I'm really lucky here at MLS because it's, it, we're all, you know, uh, the sales side is, is obviously a huge part of our business, the biggest part of our business at this point. Um, but there's a lot of attention that they want to be given to their PG&A department. And we kind of get to stand on our own two feet. Um, and it's been an exciting few years just uh, in growth, uh, specifically online. Uh, we've, you know, multiple times over grown year over year and it's uh that's that's attributed to our you know dedication and effort to take care of customers as a small business would even though you know we're we're serving nationwide uh and making sure those customers are taken care of as best as we can sure and i don't know maybe this is an acronym that's common to the industry and I, it just shows that i'm not common to the industry <laughs> but uh pg a when you say that you're you're talking about what specifically uh, it's like parts, goods, and accessories. Okay. So anything that isn't a mach- like the machine itself, as parts, garments, and accessories, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, they're usually interchangeable to some extent. Uh, we per- actually don't do a lot in uh, garments, you know, uh, clothing or anything like that. Um, just based on our limited showroom size, that's if anybody's had any experience in in that world, it is a uh, it takes a large footprint to do that for successfully. Sure. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's pretty in- intriguing, Josh, when I head to your site at awesome that pretty prominent on, on the front page are these brands, Kawasaki and Arctic Cat, because I think that it's just a little unusual compared to how much emphasis seems to be getting placed on Polaris these days, and CF Moto seems to be on the rise as well. But we noted a few years ago, I know that Mark had said that you guys really expanded in the Arctic Cat space and became a very prominent player in uh, in, in that community. We've toured the Arctic Cat plant. It's not too far for us here in Minnesota, up in Thief River, River Falls. Seems like good people, a good community. Uh, I think they're, uh, are they owned by Textron now? That's part of the part of the relationship there, right? But but I'm just curious. So speak to that. Why Arctic Cat? What do you see that Arctic Cat does that's different than maybe some of the other OEM suppliers? Mm, okay. Well, it's a little bit of a tough question because there's the Articat of yesteryear and the Articat now. Yeah, that's true. That's um, very fair. You know, in, yeah, in, in 2018 is when um, the Textron name became more prominent within the product line. Um, 
there were some changes that were made and, you know, they cut some machines out of the lineup. You know, right now there's only a handful and really technically only are in two um, side-by-sides. Uh, the double X, I still think to this day, is one of the, the best naturally aspirated sports side-by-sides on the market. Um, unfortunately, uh, Textron being as big of a, a company as it is, I think they've, they've, they've opened themselves up to multiple avenues. One of those uh, includes a, uh, a line that you can find at some major outdoor retailers. Um, and so that, especially in 2020, when products and uh, goods were hard to come by, uh, that stretched them pretty thin. And then you kind of have to pick, you know, one or the other. Um, and so for us, the major unit inflow for us to be able to sell the units has really slowed down uh, over the last year or so, um, probably two years, really. That being said, uh, that machine, the double X is, is a nice hybrid for East coast, West coast, but really is a machine that's made to be going fast. Right. And a lot of East coast riding is below 20 miles an hour. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're, you're rock climbing, you're in mud, you're in twisty turnies, uh, and machines that are durable and can withstand that, um, lots of low wind grunt, comfortable. Those are the kind of things that. Uh, intrigue uh, riders, especially riders who it's not their first machine. Now, we do get a lot of um, first-time riders buying Kawasaki because they've kind of made a name for themselves in the reliability uh, area, and and so that's usually pretty high on new riders' list as well. They hear horror stories of people spending a fortune on axles, this, that, and the other, and um, they try to avoid that. But we also have a lot of guys that, you know, were repeat customers for us in Articat and they've, they've moved over to uh, Kawasaki and they've, they've been happy with it. Okay. So, I mean, you brought it up. I was going to ask you about Kawasaki as well. So, I mean, I, I'd be interested to hear similarly to your thoughts on Kawasaki and, you know, what, what it's been like just working with them, what you're seeing in their vehicles, you know, what's, what, what feedback are you getting from riders on their machines? Uh, it's interesting. So there's the first impression most of the time you've got kind of kind of two groups of people. If we talk specifically about the KRX, uh, those that don't know the KRX 1000, that's their sport side by side entry. That's a 999 cc uh, parallel twin, um, and it's naturally aspirated. Although we've we've supercharged a handful of them, and that's um, great fun. <laughs> But uh, the machine itself is is obviously not going to be as um, as quick or as powerful as some of the non uh, naturally aspirated or forced induction machines that are out there. And even you know compared to something like the Double X, which is a similarly sized engine, uh, naturally aspirated is just geared different, different power levels, ultimately a different goal. Uh, and so one to the other you kind of got, you know, fast or slow is usually the argument that, that comes up. Um, but again, I, I go back to, for us and in, in our neck of the woods, uh, it doesn't matter that you can go 70 miles an hour, right? There's not anywhere to do that. Specifically in Kentucky, uh, they're not street legal for most of the state. Okay. So that's not really relevant. And most of the riding that you do out here is not important, but durability is. 
Uh, and time and time again, that's what we come across with Kawasaki is they are just, I mean, everything breaks and every, every manufacturer and every machine has faults. But man, if I was to have a machine that I needed to rely on in any way, it would be a Kawasaki. Mm-hmm. Well, and you, you've referenced a couple of times that the East Coast is a different kind of vibe and environment than the South, the West, certainly than than we are up North. It, it sort of blows our mind if there's any part of the country that doesn't have snow. So obviously we're we're very snowplow heavy and, and heater heavy up here, but you're talking about an entirely different kind of riding experience. And so if you're rolling out there with your Kawasaki, what kinds of things do you need when... It, in terms of PG and A, because it's not going to be snowplows and heaters, typically speaking, I'm sure there's some market for that. But w- what do you just say? We've got to have this if we're going to be riding the way we do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, tire sizes are really important. It's another benefit to the KRX, right? You can stick 30 pounds on a stock KRX without ribbon. Uh, and that's bigger than you can put on a double X or most machines out there, uh, which gives it great ground clearance. They already have fantastic travel and kind of stuff. So first thing out of the gate, most people are doing, uh, are, are putting, you know, at least 33, about 35, um, on their, their KRX. Beyond that, it, it depends on the kind of rider it is because we have, a, we have seasons here, right down in the South. It's basically always hot with a few exceptions and up North it's pretty cool. And then <laughs> you've got a really relatively mild summer, right? Here, we could have both ends of the spectrum, and my goodness, it could be within the same day. Uh, you know, we've had snow on the ground in the morning and 60 degrees in the afternoon. So um, it, it depends on, on what the rider's going to be doing. Uh, upper doors, windshields, rear windows, uh, obviously heaters, those kind of things uh, are pretty important. Um, but generally speaking, body protection, hmm. uh, that'd probably be the second thing people go for. So, you know, tree kickers, nerf bars, bumpers headlight tail light guards uh those kind of things uh and then uh which i'm pretty excited about your all's new uh, product line storage is always really important so one of the benefits to the carrot is it's got a really large cab um versus some of the other two-seaters but uh every machine can can use more storage especially um you know if you're going to be gone for any length of time you got to pack you know there's, you've got lunch you've got helmets you've got audio radio whatever it is uh, and you, you need that space. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that product line from you all because I think there's a there's definitely a need for it out there. Yeah, it's been uh, what you're referencing, and I appreciate that, is we purchased out uh, Gemco products about this time last year, and they came into the market with three cargo boxes, primarily for the Razor lineup. They were working on some for the General and Ranger, but just couldn't really get it to market in time. So we, I think we're up to nine SKUs now. We've renamed it the Highlands Cargo line. And to your point, uh, Josh, it's just been a game changer in, in many ways for our company because every machine needs that kind of storage. And I know we've got the scans up and running for the for the um, Kawasaki lineup. I think all of them, K-Book, right? KRX. Yep. And I think we've got yep. them all. And excited to partner with you. I think we'll probably send a couple of engineers down at some point and just make sure that everything is fit up properly. But that should be here, I would think, by late summer, early fall at this point. Oh, that's, that's, that's super exciting. Um, yeah, another thing that's on the front, which is just released this month, I don't know if you guys have done much research on it yet, but uh, Kawasaki's released a new mule lineup for this year that's using the 999cc parallel twin uh, as opposed to the old um, you know, 800 class engine. So it's uh, 
got a lot more pep than it used to. Hmm. Um, gave it some extra ground clearance, and you know, from what I'm seeing, I, I'm kind of guessing they're uh, they're kind of aiming at the Ranger Ranger XP uh, market where the mule hasn't traditionally played because the mule has been really just in, in its name, right? It's a workhorse. Uh, it's fantastic at what it does, but getting out and playing wasn't one of those things. Uh, as at least it wasn't a primary focus. But with the new the new release of the thousand CC FX FXT and FXR, uh, you know it's competing right alongside things like the Terex as far as ground clearance and travel and uh, all the uh, turning radius is even even uh, smaller. So that's we're really excited about getting those. We've got a couple of the FXTs already here. Uh, the FXRs are shortly behind those. Yeah, we're. I'm just on the website right now, and you know they do such a good job, Kawasaki, of aesthetics as well. I think it's an underrated part of this whole thing. Is you want your machine to look cool at the end of the day. If you're spending between seventeen to thirty-seven thousand dollars, right? It, sometimes I marvel at the design elements of some of these machines, and Kawasaki's done a good job with how they do it. Yeah, I agree. I think they do uh, a great job. They they generally are. Uh, pretty on trend with color schemes and colorways as well. Uh, that's something that sometimes gets a little stagnant with other brands, but uh, pretty much every year Kawasaki releases uh, the new model year comes with uh, at least a handful of new colorways, um, if not an entire refresh. So. Hmm. Going back to Articat for just a second, uh, I know you, you mentioned that Textron bought them out. I'm assuming you deal still with a lot of the other suppliers out there in these rash of buyouts that have happened the last probably three or four years from Nivel Products seeming to buy everybody in sight. And of course, Super ATV got bought out. Are, are you seeing that, uh, that this is changing the industry a bit in terms of what's available and what's not, because it does seem like Articat really is, and Textron, of course, is falling behind. Are there are there accessories? Are there things worth looking at for Articat compared to some of these other manufacturers? So something that Articat did really well at the time of the release of XX uh, was they did come out with a, a huge lineup of factory uh, accessories. Um, and because the X has became you know relatively unchanged over the last few few years uh there's there are a lot of accessories still available for it uh and we still you know it's a big seller for us still uh and it's it, it's interesting because i think when it came out it was kind of ahead of the game especially in the naturally aspirated uh side of uh side by sides uh and it still holds its own so there's there's definitely enough out there uh accessory wise uh, if you were to be interested in double x um, you know, I wouldn't, uh, there should be no pause in buying one for worry of, uh, aftermarket accessories anyway. Hmm. Um, as a, as a broader statement with, you know, the buyouts, like you said, you know, Novell, Super 8 TV. Um, I think in, in generality, it, it, or in general terms, I guess it's been a challenge because it used to be, you know, I kind of know what shades, what uh, trees to shake to yeah. get things done with a specific vendor or whatever the case may be. And as these mergers happen, right, that that all changes. And trying to keep up with who to go to for what and what's really going to be that answer. And, you know, used to be really confident in being able to tell a customer, you know, this, I know how whatever 
manufacturer or vendor is going to handle this. I know how they're going to handle that. So this is what's going to happen to be able to pass that information along. And as they change and grow, you know, those, those answers aren't always as straightforward. Um, so I think that's the biggest challenge that we face with it. Um, obviously, there's a lot of technological challenges that these companies face when they do these uh, that, that trickles down to us, you know, when we're processing orders or invoices or trying to look up parts or invoices, et cetera, those things changing as rapidly as they do uh, can throw a wrench in things. Hmm. On the plus side, it shows that there's a lot of interest from big players to to jump into this. Uh, you know, Novell's a great uh, example of that. You know, they've they've done a lot of different stuff and they've put a lot of money into uh, into this industry. Yeah. Josh, it's so, I mean, especially for me, because I'm new to the industry and, you know, I, I did talk to you, I think, probably within the first two weeks of being at, at Moto. So uh, I've learned quite a bit. I know I've got a ton to learn. You know, I learned uh, the, the acronym today. That I'm sure is yeah. He, he was thinking it was a golfing term for sure. Yeah, in the so. industry than maybe I assume, but whatever. Right. Um, so I love having the conversations like this because I think your perspective just to even, you know, lift uh, the hood a little bit under these these uh, types of vehicles within the you know respective models and manufacturers uh, really can be beneficial to people as they are invested within one brand or another or whatever. Um, and these aren't conversations that you just stumble upon. So I, I really sure. appreciate just being able to answer some of those questions. I think it's appropriate if we, you know, were to start the the conversation that we look to potentially end it with you correcting some Midwest boys on how we pronounce some things. You have a mountain co- or you have a mountain range out east of you. Is the, are these the Appalachian Mountains or the Appalachia Mountains? This or? is critical too, Josh. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I was oh, recently man. corrected, and I don't even know if I was corrected properly. So we're going to the expert right now. And here, I I was you know I was like, hey, we could probably talk to them about this because this is like close to home for whatever. And I realize it's like six hours away or eight <laughs> hours away or something like that. So, but we were yeah, I was interested to hear just how you'd how you pronounce it there. Yeah, and uh, and I'd be curious to know how accessible it is as a destination, because I think that's interesting for riders to know, especially up here in the Midwest. What are these places that um, are known destinations where riders go? And I'd love to know, um, even just if it's not specifically those mountains, which I still want to know how you. I know, pronounce I know, them. it's like the suspense is building but, right now. But yeah. what is the general area that you find within your area that's really special that you like to frequent? Yeah, uh, Appalachian. Appalachian. It is uh, Appalachian. Or, uh, yeah, because yeah, I, I was corrected by somebody who well, went to school that's there. That's how you're going to hear it here. Yep. All right. You know, and All there's right. a lot of that. And the same thing, look, we have the same deal in, the, in Louisville, right? Louisville, so yep. everybody says it here. Most people say Louisville. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, or Louisville, which is even worse. Uh, but <laughs> uh, there's a lot of that here. You should hear Siri. She has a real hard time. Oh, hilarious. Um so, yeah, East Coast, uh, that's going to give you a really good taste of what you're going to find. Anywhere out there, like Black Mountain is a great one um, to kind of give you a, a good perspective. Um, Wind Rock is probably my favorite park. It's down in Tennessee. Uh, they do a great job of uh, both maintaining the trails and, you know, keeping people, you know, keeping the guardrails up to make sure things don't get out of hand or anything. And um, they also know how to have a, have a good time. Uh, so that would be probably my recommendations if you wanted to see something in this area. They're they're very accessible. Um, generally speaking, they they all have great uh, campgrounds or camp areas attached to them. 
Uh, so, you know, bring your camper, a toy hauler, where the case may be, they've got plenty of room and hookups. Uh, most of them also have access to cabins or, um, or other uh, like hotels, those kind of things are relatively close. That's great. Yeah. Now, uh, Josh, it, there's just a, there's a lot of people that sell a lot of products out there, and it's it's obviously a huge industry. But uh, we're always just real encouraged with you guys because you're not just throwing up a website and trying to make a quick buck. I mean, you you've been at this, your whole team's been at it for quite a number of years, and so we just uh, we tell people you know, go to Awesome Offroad, go to go to MLS Power Sports. That's where you can get some great stuff from people that know what they're doing. So. Looking, I think we've been in partnership with you guys for about 15 years, hoping for another 15 ahead, but just really appreciate all the time you guys spend just getting this whole thing dialed in. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we appreciate you guys as well. You know, we don't, you're the only winch we carry, uh, and we've had wonderful success with it year after year. And, um, you know, we appreciate you guys always being there and, and supporting us. And, We'll continue to do the same for you guys. Yeah, I appreciate it. Again, uh, people listening, go to awesomeoffroad.com, K-Book. I mean, these are cool people right here. For sure. We love it. Absolutely. Josh, thanks for taking the time. We'd love to have you again here on the Moto Alliance podcast. Yeah, I look forward to it. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll uh, catch you soon on the next episode of our Moto Alliance podcast. (laughs) 